Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information, go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. Everybody, welcome to Grace Life. So glad to see you guys. Uh, we just finished up a week of prayer and fasting. Come on, let's hear a cheer for that. Who's excited? Were you cheering for lunch or a week of prayer and fasting? I'm not really sure. We're going to leave that to you to figure out. I do want to point out something, though, as we uh, do this every single time. We do this twice a year. And so if you missed this, I want you to go ahead and put it on your calendar. It's the third Sunday in January. We'll be kicking this off again or next week. Uh, so try not to miss that one. It's going to be exciting. But every time we do this, we're reading some cards, and this time we, were, we had over 500 cards up here of everybody who was here last week. And, and as we're reading them, I'm, I'm sitting here saying, I could help them if I just knew who. You know, many of us, we've written some things on our cards, and we need a supernatural answer. And we read some cards, and, and I was reading them with my son a few times this week, our nine-year-old, and he'd read them, and, and he, he, he just said, that's, that's really sad, Daddy. I said, yes, that's why they're praying for God to touch them, the situation that they're in. And, and so some of you are facing some things that only God can do supernaturally. There's not a thing that a human on earth can, can do for you. But many of the cards, your answer is not supernatural. Your answer is very, very natural. And so the answer that I think God would give would be to, to say there are people that can help you with some of these. One of them, in, in, just as an example, we had someone who put on their card, my husband is about to deploy, I'm, I'm here alone, me and my child, we, we don't know many people, we're not very connected, and we just wished we had someone to, to connect with us. So the funniest thing is I had two ladies who read that card and came up to me at the end of the morning and said, do you know who this is? And I said, no. But here's the cool part of the story. Just because, I don't know, you know, she actually came to me the next day and was talking to me about something. I said, by chance, is this your card? And she said, yes. And I said, there were two ladies yesterday trying to answer your prayer. They just need to know who you are. Can I tell them who you are? Some of your answers are incredibly natural. This one says, I want to further my relationship with God. I want it so bad, but I don't know where to start. Come and talk to anybody on the staff. Join a life group. Seriously, we have a pastoral staff for this. We have people that are here to help answer that question. You do not need to sit in your living room and wait for an angel. That is probably not the way that's going to work. This one says, pray that I will be a better father and husband. The answer to that is incredibly natural. Find a man in this room that looks like he's got a good answer to those two and say, would you, would you disciple me? Would you mentor me? Would you lead me? If that's too scary for you, in just a couple of weeks, we're kicking off life groups, and many of them will be men's groups, and this is the very thing they talk about, how to be a better father, how to be a better husband. So half of these, these things that we're needing in our lives, God is not going to answer through an angel. He's going to answer through his church. He's going to answer through the people that are around you but in order to get the answer that you are writing on the cards, you are going to have to reach out and say, help me, because we can help. We can help with so many of these, and we don't, we don't write names on them, so all I can do is say what I said and hope that some of you will come and say, okay, Jimmy, you said you could help. Let's do it. We've, we've got a room full of people, right? 
Come on, raise your hand if you're willing to help somebody if they ask you for help, right? There you go. All right, cool. All right, well, that's actually going to play right into what we're about to talk about for the next four weeks. We are kicking off a new series. How many of you like this idea? Now, without raising your hand, because everybody's going to think they are the cool one, let's just be honest. How many of you would be the guy on the bottom? Most of I said, don't raise your hand. Come on. <laughs> Y'all got to listen better than that today. All right. So, you know, most of us think we're the trendsetter. Most of us think we're the ones who think differently from everybody else. Most of us think we're the ones that are going to do things outside of the box. And the truth is, most of us, statistically speaking, go with the flow incredibly well. And we do what's always been done. And so what we're really going to talk about all these next four weeks is how we do church. It is a vision series. And so at least once a year, I like to try and say, hey, this is who we are as a church family, and this is where we're going. But this time, we've actually got a very specific thing that is going to happen to us in the next year that we have to prepare for, or we're going to miss what God wants to do. So this one is a little more urgent than others. And this series will end on Labor Day weekend. So for all of you that are going to be at the beach, you're going to need to catch the fourth, what could be the most important part online, or just change your vacation plans. That's up to you. I'll leave it to you. But here is what we must do if we're going to be the church God has called us to do over the next year. If you've been around Grace Life for about the last year and a half, or, or even just last week, you know that we are looking to move out of this building and into our first permanent home. We've been talking about it. We're excited about it. And we could actually, yeah, come on. It's getting so close, we can, we can almost taste it because we are, if things stay on track, we're going to close on that loan in about five weeks and you will see construction in five or six weeks. And that's just, come on, that's worth a cheer. That's exciting. But it makes us ask a question. Why? Why are we building a new building? Is it just to have a bigger building? Because it is. Lots bigger. Are we just wanting a new building? Well, it'll be new after we renovate it. Do we just want a cooler space to meet in? And it will be, I promise you that. No. What we have said from the very beginning... For, for probably about two years now, we've been saying the reason we're doing this is to create something that will be a beacon in our community so we can reach more people and change lives. Come on, is that what we're excited about? But here is the problem. <clears throat> that doesn't always happen when a church gets a new building. Matter of fact, quite often that does not happen when a church gets a new building. So what I would like to do for today is really, honestly, this whole series is I'd like to pull back the curtain a little bit of the church world and, and share with you, from my point of view, the challenge that we face. Does that make sense? There is something in the church world that you would have never heard of if I didn't stand up here today and tell you, and it's called a new building bump. You know what a speed bump is? You go up and right back down. Need you to imagine that, a new building bump. It describes your attendance when you move into a new building. And, and so if you've ever, you ever been on the interstate and you're just driving along, man, you're doing great, you're doing like 80. No, that's probably not speed limit right here. You're doing like 70. Yeah, because yeah. I'm a pastor and I follow the speed limit. <laughs> anyway, we'll skip that story. And, and so you're doing 65 or whatever it is, and then suddenly you're doing zero. Like in front of you, red lights. For as far as you can see, red lights. And you're thinking, man, is there construction? What's the problem? What's going on? There must be like an 18-wheeler overturn because nobody's moving. And an hour later, a mile ahead, y'all been through one of those? You know what I'm talking about? An hour later and only a mile ahead, there is like 
a motorcycle with a flat tire over in the grass. And the reason that it took you an hour to go that far is because everybody wants to check it out. Well, guess what? They want to check out our new building too. And so people come and they check it out and then they go back to wherever they were. It's called the new building bump. It's the same thing, but we don't want that. See, here's what happens. The reality is there are nosy people. Now, I'm sure none of you are those nosy people, but there are nosy people, especially here in the South. And what that means is when we open a brand new, very pretty building that will get people's attention because it is on the most influential road in our community, people are going to say, whoa, I wonder what that looks like inside, honey. Hey, I heard the pastor's going to be on vacation next Sunday at our church. Let's go look inside that one. It'll be fun. We won't stay. Don't worry. We're just going to go check it out. Now, but here's the reality. The majority, the overwhelming majority of people that are going to come to this new building are not nosy people, but they are genuinely looking for something. People that the Holy Spirit will use that building to get their attention and say, you know, you've been looking in here, looking in here, looking in here, and you've never found it. Have you thought of that? Because it's something they've never seen before. They've driven by that church. They've driven by this church. They've driven by whatever. And it just doesn't register. And suddenly the Holy Spirit's going to use that to go, have you thought? Maybe we'll check that out. And they're going to come inside and they're going to be looking for something. Sincerely, the real question is, will it be there? Will the needs that they are looking for actually going to be what they find when they come inside? So, one of the things that I'm responsible for as the lead pastor is to make us aware of what we face. It is to tell you about the challenge in front of us so that I know this and make sure you know this so that we can be ready for what is to come. It is my job to provide awareness. But doing what needs to be done, I simply can't do it all. And it really is like taking a family road trip. Some of you know my family and I, we just took a family road trip to Texas this summer. And it was on me to talk about when we were going and where we were going and to coordinate that and to know which interstate to be on. If you leave which interstate to your six-year-old daughter in the back seat, it's not going to go well. So there are things I'm supposed to do that I have to do. But the reality is I'm not carrying 12 suitcases for six people every time we get in the car. I'm not packing 12 suitcases for six people because I don't understand why you need 12 for six people anyway. I only took one. Except my kids pack an entire suitcase full of stuffed animals, but... You guys know what I'm talking about. And so it is just like this with us as a church. I can only do part of what we're going to have to do to get ready for the building. So I want to make this as bold a statement as I can. If you consider Grace Life your church, this is not my problem. This is our problem. This is not my problem, this is our problem. And so what we're going to talk about over the next four weeks is how we can be a church that does not experience a bump, but that we go to a new level of impact of changing lives in our community. There have been churches, and I know churches, that have moved into a building and more than doubled in the first year. And the reality is right now, especially based on reading the cards we just read this past week, if we take who we are doing what we're doing the way we're doing it and we move into a building and that tries to double, where are those people going to get their answers? Half of us haven't even figured out where to get ours yet. And we're going to have to be the ones to give the answers in about a year. We've got something to do. 
We need to prepare for the demands of ministry that are going to come from not nosy people, but true people saying, I want to know God, I want to love people, and I want to reach my world. Can you help me? Well, I'm glad we're saying yes. I'm going to take four weeks to tell you what we've got to do to make that yes a reality. So if you've got your Bibles today, I'm going to show you a very incredibly relevant topic. I'm going to show you the greatest building opening, the greatest new building opening and dedication in all of human history. It's recorded in 2 Chronicles chapter 5. I'm sure there are people who built the Louvre and some other palaces that would like to disagree with the statement that I just made, but they didn't have the results that are recorded in Scripture, so I think I'm pretty well-founded, as you'll see in just a minute here. So we're going to start in 2 Chronicles chapter 5. If you don't have your Bibles, it's on the screen behind me. And to give you a little bit of history, God has called a group of people to be his chosen people. He's called them the Israelites. They've been wandering around the earth for a little bit, been in slavery back out. They've, they've come into the promised land, and they finally reached a point in history which was long coming. If you guys think we've been through it for like five years waiting to get into this building. These guys did this for centuries. They were waiting centuries to have a building that they could say is the temple of God where they could go and worship God, and they have finally gotten there. Today is the day, and they've got a king at this point named Solomon. You maybe have heard of him. And so here we are. It says, thus all the work that Solomon did for the house of the Lord was finished. Woo! The building's done. I mean, come on, I'm going to Instagram that day. If you're not following me, you better get with it because you're going to miss it, right? Okay, the building's done. And he goes on. And Solomon brought in the things that David, his father, had dedicated and he stored the silver, the gold, and all the vessels in the treasuries of the house of God. Okay, here they go. They moved in the furniture. They moved in the worship instruments. They didn't have a bank. They moved in the tithes and offerings too. We use a bank. Don't worry. Nobody has to carry the safe. We're fine there. Okay? And, and then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the leaders of the fathers' houses of the people of Israel in Jerusalem. Why? to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is in Zion, which is where it had been stored, and said, we need to go get the ark. Why do we need to get the ark? Well, because up until this point, the ark is what they kept the Ten Commandments in. And this is where God said, my presence is. And so as they wandered all around the desert for 40 years, somebody carried the ark. Anybody seen the Indiana Jones movie? Come on, that's what we're talking about here, except the real deal, right? And so they carried this thing everywhere because they wanted the presence of God with them. When they went in the battle, this went first. We send in like paratroopers or tanks or something. I don't know. I shouldn't be like so military stupid in a room full of army people. But anyway, we, we don't send the musicians in and, the, 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 and an ark in front of us and that kind of thing. But they did. They would send the ark first because if the presence of God is there, everything else is okay. And so they're saying, wait a minute, if we've got the, we got the building, it's done, got the keys, got the certificate of occupancy, furniture's in there, keyboard's working, sound system is up, flashy lights, they're all good, we're ready. Can't do anything without the ark because we need the presence of God. And so all the elders of Israel came, the Levites took up the ark, they brought the ark, the tent of meeting, and all the holy vessels that were in the tent, and the Levitical priest brought them up, and they said, God, if we don't have you, we've got nothing. We've brought the ark here because we need the presence of God. I don't know if you know this or not, but this is one of the core foundational beliefs here at Grace Life. You may just get to reap the benefits of it without ever knowing what's going on, but every single Sunday morning 
before anybody opens these double doors, the worship team and the pastoral team, we stand right there. I don't know why it is. There's a big room, but we stand right there and we cry out for the presence of God in this place because it's not our songs that change lives. It's not my words that change lives. It is nothing except the presence of God that changes lives. And so they've got, they're saying, we've got to have the presence of God. We're opening this new building. This is supposed to be the most amazing. We have to have, we've got the presence of God. And so they did. And King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel who had assembled before him were before the ark. And they were sacrificing so many sheep and oxen that they could not be counted or numbered. That means they were worshiping and it means they were giving. And you've been doing that for years now. You've been giving. Chances are most of us can still count how much we've given. Think about it. Sheep and oxen were money. They could trade a couple of oxen for some gold and go travel somewhere. They could trade some oxen for some real estate or, or something by the beach. I mean, this was money that they were giving up. You guys know what they feel like. I mean, we've been doing this. I've watched people give amounts of money for cars that they could have purchased over the last two years. It is humbling and it's amazing, but it's biblical that we've been giving and we are giving and we will keep doing this. It's exactly what they did. And so... When the song was raised, oh, check it out, first worship service. The building's open, furniture's there, the staff got together and invited the presence of God. They've already started the giving. I mean, it's going on, the worship service, they open the doors, and everybody comes for the building dedication. And when the song was raised, I mean, I just want y'all to imagine a, less than a year from now, and Brett stands on stage and goes, there you go. I, just, I wasn't even going to imitate it because I don't want to put that bad sound in your head. And when the song was raised with trumpets and cymbals, I hope wrestlers, we've got to get trumpets, okay, and cymbals and other musical instruments and praise to the Lord, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priest, people like me, could not stand to minister. I'm not even going to get to preach. Bummer. Could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? God is showing up in such a way. You can't see the words on the screen. If you don't know the song, you are out of luck. I don't get to preach. You're not even going to see the worship team. Some of you are going to think it's on fire and run, going to completely miss out on what God's going to do. I mean, that's kind of what's going on here. And then if you, we're going to fast forward a bunch of details. So a little bit later, if you're reading along, jump over to 6.3. It says, Then King Solomon turned around and he blessed all the assembly of Israel. God bless you. God is in, I want you to just imagine again, here we go, new building, open, moved in the stuff, everything's ready, everything's working. They said, we won't do a thing without the presence of God. Whoa, the presence of God is here, everything shows up. The king turns around and says, everybody be blessed. And you can imagine, they go, woo, let's go home. I mean, isn't that what we're here for? Isn't that what it, look, we came, we built a building, God is glorified, God showed up, we got blessed. They could have stopped there. Isn't that the point? not the point they could have stopped right there i could have seen king solomon say, i'll meet some of you at mo's later enjoy your lunch good to see you guys y'all have a great week it, well man that was an amazing service shaking hands out in the lobby that was the best sermon ever best sermon ever thank you so much that was amazing oh the worship was off the hook today oh man that was not and you know what the coolest thing is solomon got it right solomon got it right you turn the page and figure out what comes next solomon stops everybody and he says whoa this is cool but paraphrase obviously and he begins to pray 
And I'm not going to read the whole prayer to you. It's an entire chapter in the Old Testament. But I'm going to give you the highlights of it. Solomon stands up and he begins to pray and say, I don't want this building just to be a great building. I want this to be a building where lives are changed. And he says things like this. If people come here and repent, God, I pray you'll forgive them. If people come here and call to you, God, I pray you'll answer. If people come here, God, and they cry out to you, I pray that you'll deliver them. I pray, God, that this will be a place of healing, a place of restoration, a place of salvation, a place where lives are changed. And then I'm going to read one verse to you. Well, a couple. Then he said this one. And likewise, when a foreigner who is not of your people, Israel, when a foreigner who is not of your people, you know what that means? That means when somebody who does not consider themselves a part of the family of God Someone who is a foreigner because they do not know you. They are not known as being among your people. When somebody who doesn't get up on Sunday morning and go to church, when somebody who does not open their Bible and read it because they don't believe what's inside of it or even know what's inside of it, when somebody who would not say, I'm not a, no, no, actually I'm not a Christian. I don't even know what that means. When one of those people come from a far country, Scripture repeatedly uses the phrase, those who are far off, to describe those who are not counted among God's people, the Israelites. So when someone who doesn't know you, who is not counted among your people, who are far from you, come to this building for the sake of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm, when he comes and when he prays toward this house, would you, God, please hear from heaven your dwelling place, we get it. It's just a building. It's a warehouse that we're putting a, a fancy coat of paint on and a few other things. But it's not your dwelling place. Nope. Would you hear from heaven and do according to all for which the foreigner, the person who doesn't know you, for everything that they come into this place and cry out for you to do in order that all the peoples of the earth may know you, that all the peoples of the earth may know your name, that all the peoples of Northeast Columbia may come to fear you because of this building. If someone who does not know you is currently not part of your church, is currently not counted among your people, would you hear them? Would you answer them? And would they come to know you in Northeast Columbia? That is the point. That is why we are spending millions of dollars. That is why I keep standing up here and telling you how close it is to coming. That is the reason not to have a fancy building. Matter of fact, we've been talking about the building for so long, talking about giving toward the building, talking about the plan, showing you pictures, it is, and being so excited that it's finally coming. It would be so easy for us to think it's all about the building. But the building is not the point. Changing lives is. The building is not the point. Changing lives is. Y'all got that yet? The building is not the point. Changing lives is. Truth is, God doesn't change lives through a building. God changes lives through the church that gathers in the building. What was the church that scatters out of the building? This is why Jesus said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The work of hell in Northeast Columbia will not prevail against what I'm doing as I build my church. And just so you know, Jesus was not talking about a building. 
Jesus was not saying, I'm going to build a building, and somehow this building is going to stop what's the, the works of hell. No, no, no. He wasn't talking about a building. He was talking about what you see right now. Look around the room. Look to your right. Look to your left. That is what Jesus was talking about. I will build my church. So here's what this means for us. Here's the reality. Many will come. Many will come and check it out. It is absolutely going to be a nice building. I'm just going to tell you that. It is. It's going to be a nice building. Nothing's plated in gold, but it's still going to be a nice building. It's one of the most influential roads. You've known that. We've been talking about that. It will be a beacon to this community. People are going to say, wow, that's different. It's not often you see a 70,000 square foot church on one of the most influential roads in the city. We need to check that out. People are going to come. Now, here's the question, if you're ready. Will it be a nice place to visit or will it be a place where lives are changed? People are going to come. Will it be a nice place to visit or will it be a place where they find a spiritual family? People are going to come. Will it be a nice place to visit or will it be a place where they find God's purpose for their lives? It's up to us. What we need to do now while the workers are building a building, we need to build a church. While the workers are building a building, we need to build a church. And our contractor and our lender both asked the questions they normally ask. So are your folks going to be doing any part of this? Maybe doing some of the painting and some of this and some of that to help save some money? And I said, no, 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 you can build a building because we're going to be busy building a church. I said, it costs more. I said, God's got money. But we're not going to get sucked into building a building and stop being a church. You build a building. If we need money, we'll pray. And we have prayed. And so, yeah, I mean, we could have probably saved a little bit by every time you come home from work, you go over there and you work until 2 in the morning. Not going to do that. Kills your families. Kills your ministry. Kills your, desi your desire to get up early and meet with a new believer at Starbucks and teach them how to read the Bible because you were too busy painting a wall last night. We're not going to do that. While the workers are building a building, we need to build a church. A church that's ready for what God is going to do, the people that he's going to bring. Now you may say, Jimmy, it's August, and we're planning to get there in like April or May. Why are we doing this? Well, because now we're back to my job. My job, the reality is, what is it going to take to get 600 people ready? Is we got to start now. We can't start in March. It'll be too late. Now, we've got to start now. For the next three weeks, I'm going to cover three very specific things that we've got to change how we think and change what we do. And we've got to start now. Because the truth is, if we moved in today, we would miss. So while the workers are building a building, we need to build a church. This series is called Think Different. Excuse the grammar, I do know better. Despite being educated in South Carolina. But... We must learn to think different about how a church impacts its community. And we must learn to think different about how church functions. And most of all, we must learn to think different about what your part in the church is. Absolutely. These four weeks are absolutely going to challenge what you think and what you believe. Because if we can change how we think, we can change what we are doing. What we need to know is this building is going to bring an incredible opportunity. 
but only an opportunity. It is our job to get ready to be the church that will make a difference when we're there. Are you guys ready for this? Amen. I want to close by talking to those of you that that last verse I read was talking about. If truth be told, you are a foreigner who is far off from God. Maybe you've never thought of it in that terms, but if someone were to say, do you wake up every day thanking God that you're one of his people? You would have said, well, I'm not really sure. I wish I were, kind of hope maybe. No, and the reality is, as Kent was talking earlier, <clears throat> Jesus died for you so that you could be counted among God's people, so that you would not have to die a death that paid for your sins because Jesus has already done that. And if you have never made that exchange where you said, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I do want to live for you. Let me help you do that this morning. You don't have to do anything weird or stand up, but right where you're seated. If you would all join me and pray something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And now I want to live for you. I thank you for your love, your mercy, and your forgiveness. And my simple prayer here today, that you would give me a life of great meaning and great purpose in your kingdom. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people. Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information about us, you can go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash gracelifeme and on Twitter at gracelifechurch.com.